1: Hi, this is Laura. Welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talk, the podcast that talks about how to make money, how to keep money, how to invest it, and how to do it with a team. So again, you're listening from around the world, and I'm always bringing you extraordinary experts or content directly on one of these categories, and just how to affect your life so you have a better life around this conversation with money. Today, I have someone actually, I'd say old and new, we've known of each other, and um, looking at to doing some really fun work, possibly down in the Caribbean or somewhere like that together. And I have Gary Cox with me today. So, Gary, welcome to Laurel's Romani Money Talk.
2: I am glad to be here. It sounds like good stuff, for sure.
1: So, Gary, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, you know, life's riddled with interesting tragedies and uh, life issues. I think a lot of us that have been here a while have overcome quite a bit. But tell us a little bit about your story and what makes you an expert.
2: Yeah. No, I appreciate you asking. Not to sound braggy or anything, but when I was younger, I was very blessed to be successful as a, a young entrepreneur. I started in my first business around 11. My second business around 15 was doing over $100,000 a year. And uh, then things dramatically made a change. I got married. My wife and I, we had a baby. Later on, she tells me it's not mine. Then it doesn't end there. My grandfather and stepfather died of cancer. My uncle was killed in a plane crash. I get a phone call from my mother to let me know my father had just been shot point blank in his chest, drowned in his own blood. I mean, I could go on and on and all this, Laura, by the time I was 21 years of age. So unfortunately, I've been through so much pain, so much trauma, but I've also learned That people that have problems in their finances and in their relationships, and if we don't learn how to clean those things out, the things that I shared with you in my past, the things that, you know, whoever's listening today, the things that they've had happen to them. Uh, you know, it could be a a trauma or a decision that they have regretted making that's haunting them to this day. I mean, we could go on and on. The key is, is if we learn how to clean that stuff out, we create emotional freedom, and then we're be able to be a lot more successful.
1: And so, what are some of those ways? When you say clean that out, because I think you know people say that they hear it, and I want you to relate it towards you know obviously money. Some because I think when people don't clean it out. Sure they get stuck in these loops and cycles and it does affect them.
2: Well, here's a perfect example. People know that for us to be more successful, we have to take on more risk. So every time we take on more risk, there's some side effects to that. There's some challenges to that. There's pain, there's problems, there's bigger problems, different problems, maybe bigger problems. Now with me, as I wanted to grow my business going through all these pains, I realized that every time I tried to get to the next level and it didn't go the way I wanted it to or in my mind it failed, I felt the pain of failure or rejection. And I think everybody can relate to that. Now, when I felt that pain of rejection or failure, I relived all the pains of my past. So now this immediate pain in this moment is now intensified and is bigger and bigger. So the problem with that is if that's not cleaned out of our emotional hard drive, we now relive all of our pains in the past. And with that pain, we subconsciously think, well, what the heck? Why would I want to take my business or my finances to another level when there's risk involved? I don't want to feel that pain. So what do we do? We do nothing or we retreat, and that doesn't make us more successful. So that for me was a very, very big aha moment that I had to learn to master so then I could take those big risks.
1: Let's go the other way. So, what happens, or what are the consequences to not do this? And actually, I'd probably go further. Step is how do you help someone who's listening say, you know, life's spinning; it's crazy. How do you even start identifying? And then, from the identification, then look at some of those like really tactical, almost daily steps, because it does affect people.
2: It does. Well, it's just one. I mean, you know, we're not here for days, obviously, and I have seminars for days on this stuff. But one clue is. How many times do you know the things that you need to do to become more successful, but you're not getting yourself to do it? You know exactly what you need to do. That often is a sign that you have things stuck in your emotional hard drive. And then what we do, we end up circumnavigating by using excuses. So that's a very, very big uh, tail sign.
1: But go to the root cause. I mean, why do you think people get so stuck?
2: That becomes a stories We all create different stories. We, we've heard before, which is really not true, change your story, change your life. It's not change your story, but it's believe your story, change your life. So many times, the stories are, how aware are you of the, the stories, the beliefs, the mental processes that are going through your mind? A great way to do this is if, if we could ever, one day, which would be fun, to bring somebody on and As I listen to them, I'll be able to identify. I can take virtually anybody, no matter how successful they are, including billionaires, and within a five-minute conversation, identify stories that could be slowing them down in some area in life. So Most people, I really don't feel, feel as a majority, Laurel, are really consciously aware of all those stories that are slowing them down and keeping them from having more success
1: talk through some of the subconscious work. I mean, obviously, I was in the secret. I've studied this, but a lot of our folks, you know, they hear it in different ways. So I don't think people can hear it enough. And here's what I also say. Until the result changes, it hasn't really been handled. So how do you cut to that deeper level of of really subconscious awareness?
2: That's a very generic question, as we know, because we have so many different people that, that are listening. So the challenge with something like that If I get one person to ask a question, a problem that they have, or let's say now I get 10 people with the exact same challenge, there's no way I can answer that question exactly the same for all 10 people because everybody has a different challenge that's keeping them from succeeding in that one particular area. So that becomes very challenging. And that's why I do my work on stage. I bring people up on stage, so I can identify specifically what their challenge is. If I get two people that have the same problem, I'm going to work with them with totally different approaches based on what's stuck in their emotional hard drive. So, that's one of the first things that we have to do. And also, another thing is, how are you rewarding the behaviors? What are the behaviors that are not working toward your success? And then what are you doing to reward the behaviors? And then what might be the situation that you find that's keeping you from pushing through that? One example I get often is people will come to me, I want to take it to the next level, and I have an issue with rejection many times. The problems that we think that we have are really not the problems. There's always something underlining it. So I'll find out in talking to the person, it's not the rejection. It's the fact they had a divorce ten years ago and it wiped them out emotionally, or somebody told them when they were a junior in school that you'll be worthless or you'll amount to nothing. And if that stuff is still creeping up in our emotional hard drive, I don't care how many happy jumping jacks we do, we're still going to take one step forward and five steps back. So this is where this awareness is very, very important to our success.
1: So, Gary, let's talk about strategy. So how do you really change that behavior? And again, I'm always looking for the results because I think a lot of people stay up in the thinking part, which just kind of spins around new thinking. And then actually doesn't get a new result that ever comes out on the other side with the behavior. So explain those strategies.
2: All right. So I won't obviously be able to go into them in the short time that we have. But for anybody to make any change, we have to have some kind of a leverage. And when, when I tell people there are two things and two things only that cause us to have the design motivation to succeed. And if you don't know what these two things are, you're only going to get half the formula. Here's what I mean by that. You'll hear people say belief is everything, belief is everything. That's absolutely not true because there's a lot of people out there that believe they don't take any action. So we're missing another part of the ingredient. The other part of the ingredient, this is part of the leverage, is value. Value is the level of importance we place on something. So I don't care how many strategies I give people to change if they don't have a level of importance on doing it, it's not going to happen. You can get 100 people who want to quit smoking cigarettes in an auditorium and ask them how many of you here would like to quit smoking cigarettes. You're probably going to get close to darn 100 of them put their hands up. You share some strategies and then, you know, a month later or whatever, you might get three or five of those people that actually quit. Now, why only three or 5% quit when everybody put their hand up? The three to 5% had a higher level of wanting to succeed than the other people. So now with that being said, So let's say we think we have our leverage in place. That's just the beginning. We still have to do other things to change the behavior. The next thing that would I do is I help a person identify what are the limited beliefs that you're acting on. For every belief we act on, we get a result. So I can look at any result in my life or anybody's life. If you have a result that's limited guaranteed there's a limiting belief or a set of limiting beliefs and values that are causing the limited result. So I then will have a person like when I'm working with them one-on-one or on stage, I'll have them write them down no matter how crazy or how stupid it sounds. They need to have it written down because that's actually what's in their head. You know, something similar. If you have somebody that has a fear of going over a bridge, well, what's their limited belief? It's silly, but it's still in their head. The limited belief is the bridge is going to collapse. Now, the next thing that we do is we get them to go from a limited belief to an empowering belief. Basically, it's the opposite of the negative. So, I'll just use that as a scenario. The bridge is going to collapse. What's the opposite? The bridge is not going to collapse. Now, <laughs> that when you write down the bridge is not co- going to collapse, that is not an empowering belief at this time to the person who believes it is. So, at this time… It's what I refer to as an affirmation. Now, the difference between affirmations and beliefs, you know, I I tell people, the more you keep saying a positive affirmation, the less you believe it, that's why you keep saying it. So when I woke up this morning and shaved, I didn't have to look at myself in the mirror and say, you're a man, you're a man, you're a man. I already know that. So if I catch myself saying a belief that's empowering or hoping it to be empowering, if I'm saying it over and over again, it just really means I don't believe it. Now, that doesn't mean don't use it. It just means what we need to focus on now, what are the strategies to take it from maybe a two that we don't believe much to an eight or a nine or a ten. What most people do is when they try to change a limited belief to an empowering one and they don't feel it, they don't buy into it, they feel uncomfortable or they're lying to themselves, they will go ahead and go back to the old belief. Now, here's the reason why, when we try to change a new thought process, we feel uncomfortable. We've been programmed, Laurel, to be a slave to our feelings. I encourage people to learn to lead their feelings And not be a slave to them. So, when you think about it, every moment that we're consciously awake, what percentage of that time would you say that you truly are a leader of your feelings or a slave to our feelings? Now, we've been programmed to be a slave to our feelings. How do we do that and how do we get this programming? Well, when we're born, what's the first thing that we typically do? We'll cry. When we're hungry, we'll cry. And we do this for how long? We do this month after month, year after year. We're a total slave to our feelings. Now, The reason we're a total slave to our feelings is now because of this programming. There's got to be a point in our life where we say, wait a minute, I've got to do opposite of how I feel. Now, keep in mind, every time you do opposite of how you feel, you're going to feel as if you're lying. Now, here's a very, very (laughs) powerful. How do you know you bought a belief? If we know beliefs are so empowering and so powerful, which they are, how do you know you bought one? It's when you say it and you feel it. That's what we're looking for. So every time we say an empowering belief, if we don't feel it, it's an affirmation. But we don't want to sit there and throwing the towel. The goal now is to see what can I specifically do? What strategy can I come up with that I can say it and then start to feel it more? The moment you say it and feel it you've bought it. Just as much as that person who feels that the bridge is going to collapse, how do we know they have that belief? Because they say it and they feel it. Now, if they say the bridge is not going to collapse, they're saying it, but they don't feel it. So, the goal is come up with the strategies to get the feeling to match the words. Boom, that's when change makes. It's powerful.
1: I know. So, here's the thing I think most people don't get. And I just want to really point to the feelings part. Being in this space for so long, I think so many people, it's what you think, what you think, what you think is your mindset. And very few people do the feeling connectivity. So explain how like, that is actually what you're going for more than the thinking part. Does that make sense? Yeah, that is a question?
2: yeah. so we have to understand that the belief and the feelings match. They, they work together. So this is why people often quit or don't keep pushing forward. We are so programmed, as I mentioned earlier, to be a slave to our feelings. So every time we try to make a change, it often incorporates doing something opposite of how we feel. So then if we can learn to understand that that feeling is something as a measuring rod to go by instead of run away from, we'll have more success. What's the measuring rod? The measuring rod is, as I mentioned, if we say it and don't feel it, the measuring rod is, wait a minute. We're missing a gap here. So what can I do to take this gap and get the feeling to match the belief? And when when somebody learns to master that and they focus on that more than being a slave to their feelings, it is incredible... What we can do as humans with regards to changing. It creates emotional freedom. So now, what I do is I just focus on mastering the emotion. And then, here's another very powerful belief. As you're learning to do that, you have to have some kind of belief to counteract the fact that you and I, we are slaved to our feelings. So, what, what belief is that? And here's the belief. This belief has totally changed my life. I'll say it slowly so you can write it down for those of you who are able to take notes. When my feelings are not in harmony with my goals ignore my feelings let me repeat that when my feelings yeah, really are not in harmony with my goals ignore my feelings what feelings the n- Negative feelings, the limited feelings that come from the limited beliefs when they're not in harmony with your goals. Another reason why I write about my goals nearly every single day, you have to learn to ignore them. What's the opposite of ignore? The opposite of ignore is reward. So you're going to do one thing or another. Every emotion you have, positive or negative, you're going to do one other thing or the other. You're going to ignore it. Or are you going to reward it? So that if we're programmed to be a slave to our feelings, if they're not in harmony with our goals, you better learn to ignore it. If not, you'll reward it and you will never make change happen.
1: So I'm going to go a little bit uh, different direction. How do you coach people, Gary, on because you were just saying so much your feelings and goals. How do you coach people? Give them some you know strategy or tips on setting appropriate goals. And, you know, I know everybody knows the smart goals, you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, don't you find that, you know, in dealing with money, I mean, I can ask people, you know, what do you want in the area of money? You know, where do you have pain in the area of money? And what they'll tell me is what they don't want or don't have, but they rarely can speak to what they want or have. You see, you know what I mean? Most people go to the lack in their conversation. And that's not what I asked. I said, what do you want? Or what is your goal? And and what causes all that to be upside down?
2: One of the reasons I write down my goals every, well, I try to do it nearly every single day. I write about 30 of them and I repeat them every day. I just don't write it down and look at it the next day. I rewrite it. Now, the reason I do that is because how many times have you written down, let's say you have financial goals and you write them down. And if you would ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, how much do you believe that's possible? Let's say you right now, this moment, you write down a 10. And then how eager are you to write down your goal? If that's a 10, that means you have a high value on it. It's important to you. Back to the value and belief situation. Now, the reason I write down the goals again the next day, let's say something happened to me. I bought into some crap or the economy or... A company didn't hire me to train or speak for them, whatever it is. Now, the next morning, I start writing down my goals. But wait a minute, I, I look at him and say, Gary, this is ludicrous. Are you, This is silly. This is stupid. This is make-believe. So what's actually happening is now I realize, wait a minute, it has nothing to do with the goal. It has to do with something that I allowed to buy into that yesterday was really strong, but today I don't believe it. So it becomes a very powerful measuring rod for people to understand where they're at with regards to what they're capable of accomplishing. Now, in my goals, I write everything down from my financial goals, and I have very long-term and I have short-term goals. When I write down my goals, it is not a to-do list. I have two flip charts in front of me while I'm not traveling, and those two flip charts are my overall big goals that I work on as a company every single day. And then I might have another list that is my to-do list to make all these things happen. So that's kind of in a nutshell how I put that together.
1: And when you're doing your goals and I think you and I, you know, have a similar beliefs, you know, people have a life, but I think people do a lot of work to have personal goals, professional goals like segments. So just talk about even balance is like a funny word because I I just live by, you know, if you want to have it all, you just figure out how to get it all in, you know, your life. But speak to that personal Absolutely. business yeah. conversation.
0: So
2: I put them all down. I don't believe there's balance. You cannot balance time. I believe there's a balance in values and beliefs. So when you think about balance, only think of balance in value and belief form, not in time. So when I write down my goals, I write down everything from, I'm looking at them right now. I have weight goals. I have financial goals. I have character goals. One here says, be happier, kinder, compassionate, humble. I have one goal with regards to charity and donation. And I put these down every single day. Now, with regards to this balance thing, I believe that life, especially if you're, you know, a driven person, you want more for yourself and your family and you want to do more for church and charity and whatnot. You cannot have the term balance. Every day you're bobbing and weaving. I mean, if you have a child, the child gets sick. What you were planning to do before the child gets sick gets totally knocked off. So most people don't have, if they live a life that's not boring, they don't have the same thing going on every day. And then you're more subject to to having to bob and weave more. And when I talk about having balance and values and beliefs, common sense tells me if I have I'm not married or anything, but if I, let's say I were married and my wife's frame of mind today is phenomenal, she's not going to need as much attention from me today. But let's say I found out that a friend of hers died or maybe said something negative about her that she heard from the grapevine. Well, I'm going to switch things up a little bit because I know that maybe that hurt her. So I'm going to do a little something different for her. I might buy her some flowers. I might spend an extra two hours with her where normally yesterday I didn't have to do. This is called the balancing of values. It's not like, okay, every day I'm going to spend an hour with her, three hours doing this, one hour doing this. That's ludicrous. It's not necessarily. But when you understand the balancing of values and beliefs, then you just move and massage things as you need. And life is so much more fulfilling because you're not fulfilled when you're not understanding and filling your value system. And when you get it filled and you understand it, when it gets off a little bit or you can read it before it does, man, your life has way more meaning and purpose.
1: Would agree, Gary. If people want to get a hold of you, uh, what we do here on this podcast is we send people to asklaural.com. Says so A S K L O R A L. They can uh, make a request, they can ask a question. We can put it in your show notes. But uh, what's a place that they can get a hold of you if they want to talk and work with you directly?
2: Oh, awesome! Thank you. They can go to my website, garycox.com, Gary Cox.com. That's G A R Y. C-O-X-E don't forget the E garycox.com forward slash coaching I don't do a lot of coaching because of my time but if you're really interested go there and you'll see the information what it takes to get us together
1: awesome Gary thank you and uh, we appreciate you being on Laurel's Real Money Talks those of you listening again this is a critical conversation not only about goal setting but I really want you to re-listen because the connectivity of how you think how you feel will result in your behavior and your goals so Gary, I appreciate you being on and, uh, all of you spend some time setting your goals you, and Laura. setting your, uh, thank you and set your goals and go out and share them, share them on asklaurel.com, share them on my Facebook page, share them on my Instagram or Twitter. We'll be back in touch on Laurel's Real Money Talks uh, next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com/podcast for past episodes, show notes and resources. For some special wealth-building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.